Hi there, a quick note before we begin the episode. Did you know that Atlas Lingue has its own audiobook with exclusive and brand new material? It's called Atlas Lingue, the layers of language behind everyday life. In this audiobook, we share additional exclusive commentaries on each episode with brand new insights and examples on the subject that we can't stop thinking about, how humans translate everything that comes their way. Also remember, when you buy Ochenta's audiobooks, you're directly supporting our independent audio series productions. So find Atlas Lingue, the layers of language behind everyday life, on Libro.fm, Apple Books, Google Play, Storytel, BookBeat, and on your favorite audiobooks app. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey everyone, I'm Luis Lopez, host of Atlas Lingue, and this is Season 3, The Language of Culture Online. This week we have a very exciting guest, Kenzo Mizumoto. Kenzo is famous for his fast-paced and brilliantly hilarious short videos on TikTok and Instagram. Born in Brazil to a Japanese-Brazilian family and living in London for some time now, Kenzo loves poking fun at the unique cultural peculiarities of the UK, debunking Asian stereotypes, and exploring generational differences, always with good fun. We talk about Kenzo's upbringing in Brazil, about how he enjoys the moments when he can teach others about his specific cultural identity, and about the meticulous process he follows to ensure his videos are as funny as they can be. And believe me, they are. So here's our conversation with Kenzo Mizumoto. Enjoy! So let's start off by just uh, having you talk a little bit about yourself. Could you tell us uh, a little bit about where you're from, where you grew up, and what inspired you to start doing what you do to start creating content? Yes, of course. So hi, everyone. I'm Kenzo. I am from Brazil. I was born and raised in Brazil, Sao Paulo, to be more specific. I moved to London around eight years ago. I came here to study music. Uh, I ended up working in the music industry for a while. Oh, nice. Yes. But then during the- Any instrument in particular? Sorry. So I play, it's all right, it's all right. I play piano, uh, the piano, guitar, a little bit of bass. Okay. And like music production as well? Yeah. I I tried a little bit. I didn't really enjoy being on the software, like using the software that much. I like more like playing the instruments. I see. Yeah. And then, yeah. So I worked in the music industry for a while, actually more in the like business side, back in 2019, from 2019 to 2021. Okay. Uh, so when the lockdown happened, many of content creators that that I know nowadays, they actually started during the lockdown as well. Right. And I, I was kind of bored um, and I just wanted to do something online, you know, like create videos or something. 
Yeah. I had a few failed YouTube channels that didn't um, didn't work out and it's okay. I learned stuff from them. Yeah. But then I was like, you know what? Let me give this TikTok thing a go, you know, like <laughs> like yeah. many people did. See what the fuss is all about. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then I just started posting videos for fun and I, and then I realized that I really liked making those videos and making people laugh, especially during the pandemic and the lockdown, you know, cuz everyone was kind of you know, everyone needed a good laugh. Yeah, of course. And it's, yeah, and from there on, I was just like, you know what? I'm, I, I kind of want to do this for a living. And here I am. I mean, one of the things I love about it is your videos where you kind of call out stereotypes of Asian men in movies, especially in like action or martial arts movies. Uh, I wonder if we could start with that part of your content. Uh, if you could tell me a little bit about like the inspiration behind that. And I don't know, maybe even like what are some of the most ridiculous stereotypes in your opinion that you've seen in movies like these that you that you display or that you talk about on your on your content? So I made a video called How Asian Men Are Written in Action Movies. I, I think you're referring to that one, right? Yeah, yeah. And that was my first proper viral video on Instagram when they started with reels and all of that. And I was like, oh, my God, people seem to really like this. Oh, I see. And basically what happened is that I had watched all of the Rush Hour movies oh. with my wife. Yeah, yeah, during the lockdown. Okay. She, she had never watched the Rush Hour 2 or 3, I think. So I was like, let's watch all of them again. And then as we were watching it, I was like, oh, my God, like these things happen all the time. And I started, you know, like the, the action movies in the Asian guys, you know, in martial arts and all of that, you know, it's like the honor and, you know, the family issues. And there's the Yakuza and the, 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 the triads, you know, and all of that. Right. And I was like, this could be a fun TikTok. Yeah. So, yeah. So I just picked my phone and I started like writing down some lines for my script and I was like, I'm going to use these and just see what happens. And then, <laughs> yeah. and then it kind of did pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what are some of these like stereotypes that you find particularly like ridiculous or just kind of like eye rolling, you know? Yeah. So it's an interesting question though, because it's, uh, the, the, when it comes to action movies like that, you know, they, you, you do have some stereotypes, but they're not like bad stereotypes per se. They're kind of badass. Right. You know what I mean? Okay. It's like yeah. the, the, if the stereotype is to like be a really good fighter and no martial arts, then. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It could be worse. A, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I think for me, the, the stereotypes when it comes to like Asian guys or, or just even like Asian people in movies and stuff like that, it's usually the. Oh, the geeky guy in school, you know, the awkward and nerdy guy, you know, I was like, guys, we're tired of this. Come on. It's 2023. Move on. Yeah. But to be fair, I feel like we're seeing those less and less, which I, I, I really, I really enjoy. You know, there's so much more to Asian people on screen, especially in the, in the West. And I'm really enjoying seeing that because, you know, growing up, Every time I would watch a movie or a TV series, the Asian guy was always the geeky, nerdy guy that, you know, didn't know how to talk to girls and stuff like that. Right. Or Jackie Chan, you know, so right. it was either of these two. Like such such extremes, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And listen, Jackie Chan, honestly, it's so badass, you know, yeah, so there's <laughs> exactly there's nothing bad with that. And I, and I love it. But I, I like how we're exploring more holistic characters yeah. when it comes to portraying Asian people on screen. And I think that's, that's yeah, that's really cool. 
did you grow up watching movies like these? And uh, I, I guess I wanted to ask you, like, what are some of your favorites? And like, has your opinion towards them changed over time? Yeah, of course. I, I yeah, uh, I grew up watching a lot of movies like that. Um, Rush Hour, a lot of Jackie Chan, Jet Li movies, mm-hmm. some Japanese movies as well. And again, I don't think it's necessarily a bad stereotype when they are really right. badass and they know martial arts. So it doesn't really bother me. So even nowadays when I see it, I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. You know, right. it's a little bit predictable, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but it, I, I still find it really cool. And uh, yeah, no, I, I love action movies, man. I love a good like martial arts movie because I, I did martial arts, of course, oh. as a kid, you know. What, what kind did you do? So I did karate, kung fu, aikido, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, you know. Oh, nice. Um, my daddy used to be a brown belt in judo. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And of course, he would put his kids to learn martial <laughs> arts, you know? So it's, it's just a. <laughs> but I, I really yeah. enjoy it. I, I really enjoy martial arts movies. Also, because, you know, like the the, the stunts are just amazing. And oh, I yeah. Like that. Yeah. Do you like action movies like that? Yeah, I can enjoy them. I'm, I'm not like the the biggest fan of them in the sense that i don't like follow them as closely but i can certainly enjoy them yeah it's fun isn't it yeah yeah and i see what you mean like of course it's 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 cool to to see someone be you know a badass in that way right so uh, yeah i can totally understand that yeah moving on i mean of course you mentioned you're you're from brazil right you're japanese brazilian right and uh i know that like like I I lived in Brazil for a year and uh, in Sao Paulo actually and so like I nice. I met Brazilian Japanese people there while I was there and uh, I know that there's a significant population you know of of people of Japanese descent in Brazil but uh, I wanted to ask you like are are there still like stereotypes there even though it's it's a population that's been around there of course for for decades right and uh, is there like an issue of being considered like not fully brazilian sometimes when you're oh when you're man there. that's a whole <laughs> <laughs> how much time do you have oh gosh <laughs> that's the whole thing but yeah first of all that's really cool that you stayed in sao paulo for a while if yeah. you don't mind me asking what were you doing yeah. there i was a uh, an exchange student i was at the uspi at the university oh, yeah. yeah just 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 the best university in brazil <laughs> you know like, yeah no, yeah, I was there for for a year, and uh, yeah, I remember. I rem- I remember I went to this this neighborhood Liberdade several times, yeah. and like yeah. had Japanese food there, and I don't know, I-, I loved it so much. It was it was great. Oh, that's cool, man. So yeah, my parents actually went to Uspi, you know. Oh, so, okay, cool. Yeah, I know it quite well. It's a, it's awesome. a really well known university there. Yeah. So the thing is that I feel like because I'm already like third, fourth generation. Right. right. So my grandparents' generation of Japanese people, they, they got to Brazil like over a hundred years ago. You know, the oh, first ones the first ones were like in the early nineteen hundreds. Okay. You know? uh, of course you, you still have the stereotypes, but I feel like nowadays is a little bit less. Uh, I'm not too sure, but I, I think most of the stereotypes that we have in Brazil about Japanese people more specifically, because that's what the, the type of East Asian people that we had there yeah. the most. Now we have a lot of Chinese and Korean immigrants, and that's right. really cool. Yeah. But uh, my my dad, tell, he told me, it was like growing up, or even when I was growing up and my sister, uh, 
a lot of the stereotypes were around being a good student, you know, mm-hmm. being really nerdy and being really good at math and, you know, just getting straight A's, you know? Yeah. Being sort of quiet and shy and all of that, you know? But I find it really interesting because, like, for example, my parents, they were born and raised in Brazil. Mm-hmm. So they were different to their parents, my grandparents, right. who were, some of them were born in Japan and some I of see. them were born in Brazil. Me and my sister and my brother, we were already like born and raised in Brazil, but like we're like third, fourth generation. Right. And we consider ourselves to be at least us. I, I can't speak on behalf of all of the Brazilian Japanese people. Right. But we can relate a lot more to the Brazilian culture than to the Japanese culture. So yeah. much so that whenever I go to Japan, even though technically my family's from there, you know, like I'm I look Japanese and all of that. When I go to Japan, I'm like, wow, it's so different. Oh, it's so different. You know, it's just like the it's the culture, the the, the way people behave. You know, the it's just very different. It's just very different. It's not worse. Right. It's not better. It's just very different. Yeah, and that is something that. If you grow up in Brazil, you know, you, you kind of shape your personality around that kind of culture. You know? Right. Whereas had, had I had I been born and raised in Japan, probably I would have turned out like way differently. And uh, let, let me share a story with you that I, uh, course, I find yeah. it, I think it's quite cool. Yes, please. So the first time I went to Japan, I was, I was a kid. I don't, I don't know how old I was. I was like maybe 10 or 12. Okay. I went with my mom, right? But because in Brazil, I was only like, I was one of the few Japanese people in my school. And I was always surrounded with like non-Japanese people. Mm-hmm. When we got to Tokyo at the airport, I was looking around. I was like 12, you know, I was looking around and I was seeing all of those Japanese people, man. Mm-hmm. And then I went to my mom and I was like, mom, everyone looks like us. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like everyone looks like us we, well, what is this you know and she yeah. just laughed she thought it was really cute it's uh it's an interesting feeling one of the videos that i that's on your feed that i really enjoyed was also i think it was when the world cup was on right that you you photoshopped yourself with the brazilian national team and i, I, yeah. I think i remember you said something like like i don't know if there's ever been a japanese brazilian in in the Seleção, right? In the, in the yeah, team. Yeah, yeah. If I remember correctly, like there was there were some comments about like people discovering that you were Brazilian when you said that or, or when you did that video. And like there were all of these uh, comments like, oh, like if, if you're Brazilian, then speak Portuguese and kind of like prove yourself, right? So I, I guess I wanted to ask you like, what's, what's the feeling when that happens? Does that happen often at all? Or, or where people are like, oh, you're Brazilian? Well, let's hear you speak Portuguese because maybe they won't immediately <laughs> assume that you are by how you look or, or how you sound. Yeah, yeah. So that video I made, because, you know, it was like, it was the World Cup and I kind of, you know, I was posting um, like, stories with my brazilian jersey and all of that you know yeah so i was like let me make a video about this because not a lot of people know that i'm brazilian even though i do put like the brazilian emoji on my bio right i think yeah. people kind of forget about that and, and it's okay and it's okay it's fine yeah, yeah but yeah i posted that and because i i i don't know i never really saw asian looking people playing football in brazil because 
Yeah, for some reason, I, I don't know. You do have some. You do have some. Nowadays, mm -hmm. you you have it even more. But in okay. the Brazilian national team, not really. And I was like, you know what? Let me give a, a small shout out to my Brazilian Japanese friends, you know? Like, hey, yeah. guys, we're here, you know? And yeah, make yeah. this a fun video. But yeah, no. So in Brazil, no one ever really asks if I'm Brazilian because they right. know. They're so used to East Asian looking people there already that they don't even ask. And to be fair, I only really started to realize that when I moved to the UK. Okay. Because <laughs> when I'm in Brazil with my friends, my family and everyone, you know, I, I just speak Portuguese, you know, and everyone's yeah. like, oh, yeah, sure. You know, you're Brazilian, whatever. They don't even question. But uh, here, everyone thinks I'm Chinese. And oh. I, I, yeah, I find that really interesting. Um, not even Japanese. Not even Japanese, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> okay. because... I think they have more Chinese people here than Japanese. Oh, I see. I found that really interesting because it was the first time in my life. Because, you know, I was living in Brazil, so. Yeah. Uh, but it was the first time in my life that so many people would think that I was Chinese, that at some point I was like, wait, hold on, am I Chinese? <laughs> and I don't know. <laughs> right. Like you, you actually questioned it. Yeah, exactly. I was like, wait, hold on. Am I Brazilian? You know, I was like, wait, what's happening? You know? <laughs> what even am I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's okay, you know, it's just uh, what they're used to. But I, I thought that was so interesting, you know? It's like, for example, sometimes I'm just here walking around, mm -hmm. waiting for my bus, and then I have a random Chinese tourist that is lost, and mm. they come at me, like, speaking Chinese and asking for directions. Right, and I'm like, sorry, bro. I, I, I don't speak Chinese. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> and they look at me disappointed. You know, it's like, <laughs> oh man, come on. You know, it's like I had all of my hopes. You know. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting feeling as well. You know, it's like, um, and then I have to explain to people. It's like, oh, I'm actually Brazilian. You know, and they go like, right. oh, Brazilian, really? You know, because they are they they are always expecting someone that looks like Neymar. You know, right? Yeah, you know, like people like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like me being Brazilian is the, is the last thing they expect. Also, because not many people know that. You know, it's like yeah. uh, I, I was surprised. I thought it was a uh, people knew that, <laughs> like worldwide, that we had a lot of Japanese people in right. Brazil. But I realized that no, <laughs> no one knows that outside Brazil or Japan. Yeah. Uh, and does it ever get like maybe a little annoying or just like do you get like tired of like whenever you meet someone new and like having to see how much you have to explain your identity as you said like well I'm actually Brazilian do you know what yeah do you know what some yeah. people might I don't I actually got okay. a little bit excited you know okay because uh, I love seeing people's reactions to it right. you know, whenever I see like oh I'm Brazilian they're like wait what? How come? Oh, and I then see. I explain I explain the history to them a little bit in like ten seconds, you know. And they're like, "Wow, I had no idea." And 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 I always say like, "There you go, you learned something new today." You right. Know? Oh, I love that. So you take it as an opportunity to like teach a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It doesn't take me long. It takes me like ten seconds, you know. I and they always go like, "Oh, wow, I had no idea." It was like, and I go like, "Yeah, there you go." There was this one time I was, uh, so I went to Warwick University here for my master's, right? Right. And it was a business school. And it's so interesting because as a business school, they had a lot of Chinese students yeah. that were coming from China to study here for a year and then go back and 
find work there. Right. You know, and it was something like we had 300 people in the class, right? Mm-hmm. And 80% of them were Chinese. Okay. 80% of that class was Chinese. It was crazy. And it, we're talking about a British university, you know, like yeah. business school. And it was and like 10% was Indian and the other 10% was like, like Europeans. Everyone else. <laughs> yeah, Europeans, British, and me, you know. Okay. I was the only person in there, you know. Anyone else from Latin America or? Uh, no, no. Oh, okay. I was the only South American there. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> But yeah, it was so interesting because there was this one class when the teacher, um, where the teacher, he was talking about like Brazilian petrol or something and on the oil industry in Brazil, you know, business school stuff. Petrobras and that's right. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And then he was like, oh, is anyone in the class Brazilian? You know, (laughs) and I go like, uh me you know okay. yeah <laughs> and i could i could hear all of the chinese students turning around and looking at me and be like what the <laughs> hell is this guy talking about you know <laughs> right. and i was like yeah person here you know and then at some point afterwards i had some of my chinese colleagues come to me and they were like dude no come on you're not brazilian and i was <laughs> like yeah man i was like do you want to see my id and they were like yeah we want to see your id <laughs> And I showed my ID and you're like, what? You know, so wow. <laughs> not even they know about it, you know, so right. it was kind of cool to to show it to them. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love that. So, so yeah, it's it's one of those things that like if if you are born and raised in Brazil or have been there for some significant time, you you end up, you know, where you end up learning about. But otherwise exactly. you, you just don't. Right. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. And, and that's OK. That's OK. You know, it's like there are so many different diasporas of people around the world, you know, that it's impossible to know all of them. So, yeah. Can you tell me a little bit more about your experience in the UK? Uh, how, how long have you been there? And uh, what are some like, you know, curious, funny cultural differences that you've, you know, experienced while there? Cause I, I know I've seen some of your videos where like you, you kind of talk in a, in a humorous way about how they measure things. Like you, you did a recent one about like how they measure distances and weight and like stones and pounds and pints and all of that and, and how yeah, it can yeah, get yeah. pretty confusing sometimes. <laughs> so uh, yeah, can you tell me just a little bit more about your experience there and culturally what's been significant or funny or confusing? It's really different to Brazil. Uh, I'm already right. used to it now because I've been here for almost nine years now. Okay. Uh, but it's, uh, it's interesting, uh, for two things. First, London, something that I've learned is that London is not necessarily the UK. Okay. You know, the rest of the UK is very different to London. London, uh, I have a feeling that it's its own little hub of multicultural people from all over the world you know so it, it kind of works as a, it's as a kind big, of its own thing yeah as a big pot you know yeah and when you go to other cities in the uk you realize that it's very different how the, the way people think you know and, and it's okay it's okay uh yeah. for me the biggest shock when i moved here for the first time was that during winter they have this thing called the winter savings time mm. and basically it gets dark at 4 p.m oh yeah 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 oh no <laughs> yeah 
it gets to people here, even to oh, the yeah. British people. Yeah, it gets to them because it, it kind of makes you a little bit sadder, you know? It's yeah. a, it gets dark and it's cold, you know? It's just like, oh my God. <laughs> but to me, that was really interesting. Um, I'm still not used to it, but, you know, <laughs> there's no, nothing yeah. I can do about that. <laughs> yeah. I love what you said. Well, I mean, I, I can relate to what you said about the dark because I, I lived in Chicago for two years. I did my master's there. And similarly, in, it, maybe it's not that bad, but in the winter, like in the worst days, it gets dark at like 4.30. Oh, and okay. I'm like, no, no. Like I didn't mind the cold, but that I it certainly, you know, hit me. <laughs> yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because you're not really used to it. Exactly. I wanted to talk a little bit more about your content and maybe more specifically about like your your process. Uh, I wanted to ask you, how do you usually approach humor in your work? Do you, uh, well, first of all, do you find it in your own experiences or things you've been told perhaps from other people? And uh, do you like build your skits or your situations around a joke or a funny aspect, perhaps something that happened to you? Or does that sort of appear more organically as you construct, you know, these the situations that you depict? Usually, uh, I base my um, sketches on life situations mm -hmm. or conversations that I have with my wife. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't really... I, I do have a process. So, basically, I try to come up with ideas every day. Uh-huh. Uh, it doesn't have to be a full script, just the idea, you know? Okay. And then I write them down on a Google Docs file. Mm-hmm. And I have all of them there as an exercise. And you know, I try to come up with something every day. It's, okay. it, it, can, it can be quite tiring. Um, right. Why. So to like sometimes, force you to be creative every day for a yeah, little bit. Yeah, yeah. More like an exercise, you know, because I, yeah. I treat this whole thing as a craft. Right. You know, and the like any craft, the more you do it, the more you exercise yeah. that specific craft, you get better at it. So of that's course. how I see it. I do allow myself to not have many ideas on the weekends. Okay. So my 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 brain can, you know, think about something else. Yeah, a disconnect bit. for a bit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So usually I have an idea and I'm like, oh, I really like this idea. Let me try to develop this a little bit more. And then I write a script, like a rough script. I come up with a few words or lines that I want to put in the script. And then I just put them there. Mm-hmm. And then I I obsess over the script okay. with timing and words because right. I only have a couple uh, like up to sixty seconds right. to to have people watch the video, you know. So I have to be really straightforward. You have to be really ruthless editing. Yeah, yeah. But that's me. That's me. Other content creators comedy content creators they have their own processes right, of course. they have their own. but me i obsess over the script because to me every single line in that video matters if i have one or two lines that are okay you're just gonna scroll right yeah you're just gonna scroll and i'm like mm, okay fair enough so, everything needs to contribute something yeah exactly so yeah. every second every line of the video has to contribute something you know that but that's me that's me and once i have the script ready and i have obsessed over it it's like okay then i time myself reading the script to see if it's up to one minute if it's not i trim it down or change mm -hmm. a few words here and there uh, sometimes I change words because some words they have they sound better than others, you know, uh, because of yeah. the impact they have. 
So let's say if I want to, I'm talking about school and a subject, instead of saying, I don't know, math, I'm going to say biology because of the, you know, oh, so okay. there's more impact to it. I see. I say biology, you know, so th- these are things that, that I think right. that I, I don't, I, I don't know if people notice that, but to me, it makes sense. No, but I love that. So like even how the word sounds, it adds to perhaps like yeah. the, the comedic effect or to the, yeah, to the rhythm. Exactly. Of the, of the exactly. Yeah. So whenever I can switch words, I try to put, I, I try to put the words that have a lot of B's and P's and Ooh. K's and T's because of that yeah. impact. Love that. And then once the script is ready, I start filming them. I have a green screen that I just mm-hmm. put in my living room. Okay. I have my little setup with a softbox and my mic, this one. Uh, and then it usually takes me around a day, half a day to film, depending on how big the video is. Sometimes right. I have videos that are 10 seconds and sometimes I have videos that are one minute. Right, yeah. If they have a lot of props and costume changes and stuff. that might Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like if I have a video with like three or four characters, I have right. to change a lot. Whereas if it's one of those videos that is just me and it's like 15 seconds, then it's fine. Right, you know? okay. Then I film it. I just try to get as many shots as I can because you never know if you're going to need something else later. Right. I, uh, as I'm filming, I, I start noticing if I like the vibe or the feel to the, to the lines or to the video and all of that, and, and I mm-hmm. just change. Once that's done, I export everything. Um, I import everything onto my computer and I start editing. I really okay. like editing, by the way. A lot of a lot okay. of people don't like editing, but I like editing because to me it feels yeah. like a. Did, did you ever used to play with Legos? Growing oh, up? very much. Yeah, yes. exactly. So I love Legos, man. I love oh, Legos. I, I don't awesome. I don't play with them that much anymore. But to me, editing videos feels a little bit like Legos. You know, you're just putting something here, something here, something there. You know, and you just put all of them together, and then at the end, you have like this finished product. Wow. I love that. And I had never thought of editing as like building Legos, but that makes so much sense. And I'm glad you said that because I love Legos <laughs> as well. And and yeah, I'll, I love editing too. I mean, I'm a sound editor as well. So so it's, it's yeah. And I understand what you say. Like some people just don't love it, but but I do. And yeah, and yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's like your work finally comes to life in that process, right? Exactly, man. Exactly. And then you see all of the clips there, you know, like stacking on top of each other. Yeah. And you're like, oh, it's like a Lego, you know, like, yeah. it's like a little castle, you know. And do you feel like sometimes like people who don't know what's behind all of that perhaps can't fully appreciate like how much painstaking work goes into something that seems simple you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but that's with anything yeah of course someone else yeah that's with anything but uh i do i do uh i am aware of that and it's okay as long as they like the finished product yeah as long as i've done my job uh in making that person enjoy the video then i'm fine you know because uh, as a sound editor you know you have to like you have to mix and you know like equalize and the compressor and all of that so i got a little bit of that from my audio production um background because i did a little bit of that so i know a few things here and there you know it's like i know that i have to equalize the, the my vocals a little bit more you know and all of that and I really like it. And I really like picking the soundtrack for my videos as oh, well. Oh, yeah. Because I truly believe that a soundtrack can make or break the video. Yes, very much. If you have a funny video, for example, and it, there's no soundtrack, you're like, there's something missing here. Something to make it a little bit more energetic, a little bit more upbeat. Yeah. 
And that's when I go and try to find the soundtrack. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that, that, that's the one. That's the one. And then sometimes yeah. I, ch- I try to edit the video according to the soundtrack. Oh, but yeah. I, I understand that not, not a lot of people do that because they might not enjoy it as much, but I really do. <laughs> right. And I think that's part, part of what makes your videos in particular just so so appealing and so fun because they, they you can see all the care that's that's that goes into yeah, them. And then, yeah, as you said in the exactly. music, like sometimes you, you choose like this very dramatic score and it, it helps to like, you know, accentuate the comedy of like exactly. something kind of silly with the dramatic score behind it. Just and so if much it's fun. a if it's a soundtrack that people know, it kind of adds right. uh, adds to the video because mm-hmm. people are going to perceive the video as even more of that. So I'm going to give an example. Sometimes I make videos that I'm like super epic and heroic and whatever. Right. And then I add anime soundtrack. Oh, uh, I see. I don't know if you watch anime or not. But I have, the, yes, yes. Sometimes I watch, uh, I add like Attack on Titan, Attack on oh. Titan soundtrack to uh-huh. these videos that I'm like super heroic, but in a funny way. Yeah. And it kind of adds to that. And the people that know that that is the Attack on Titan soundtrack, they're like, oh my God, that's the Attack on Titan soundtrack, you know? Yeah. So it, it, it adds a little bit more to them. And I, and I like that when people can spot these things, you know? Not everyone can, can spot that, of course. Yeah. But it's just for me as well, you know. It's just for me. And for like so it's, the uh, people in the audience who who catch that detail, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. exactly. And then once everything's edited, uh, I run it through my test audience, who okay. is my wife. Oh, okay. <laughs> How strict is she as a She's, test audience? Uh, I really like it. I really <laughs> like the feedback she gives me, honestly. So because then I know sometimes if I if I'm like babe, the video is ready. Can you watch it for me? And she's like, okay, cool. And then I see her reaction uh, when watching the video. And I'm like, okay, she's, she's, she's not really paying attention at this bit here or like this bit is too slow. Okay. So I'm going to chop it off and make it shorter or something. Or if sometimes she has the biggest laugh in the middle of the video, but I need her to have the biggest laugh at the end of the Mm. video. So then I go and I change the order, you know? So, and then I'm like, okay, can you watch it again? She was like, okay, that's good now. Oh, okay. So, so like, her her blind reactions are yeah. just as important as like perhaps the more prepared feedback later. A- yeah. After watching. Yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. Oh, okay. Yeah, she she helped me a lot with that. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have a video or maybe a couple of videos that you are like particularly proud of? Perhaps because they might have done better than you expected like reached audiences that you didn't expect them to reach or, or just like something that you you know you're particularly proud of as a creator maybe i do have a couple of videos that require more effort when it comes to editing and using the green screen there's one that i made that i really enjoy uh uh-huh. which is it, it goes a little bit like your parents going to school according to them oh yeah and it's, yeah. it shows like someone going through the savanna and the desert and like acid rain and just like, <laughs> you know, like kill like fighting a cheetah and all of that. <laughs> yeah. And it's something that a lot of people can relate to because my parents used to tell me that all the time. And then yeah. once, I, once I posted the video, I realized that a lot of people can relate to that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that is, that is a video that I really like. And also because my, my best friend, he had a really good reaction to that video you know yeah. and that made me happy i guess the part of the humor in that is just like seeing what else is going to happen like what other ridiculous thing is going to be said yeah yeah exactly exactly yeah that one i love that one that one's a lot of fun <laughs> 
So uh, we're just going to end things with a very quick lightning round. Uh, just uh, just four questions. First one: If you could hang out with any action movie or cartoon character, who would it be? Oh, damn! That's a, that's a... <laughs> character or actor with a character from a a movie or a TV show. I want to say Shang Chi. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so next one. What's your favorite snack slash street food from Japan, Brazil, and the UK? Okay, Japan. I really like takoyaki, which is like these little dough balls with octopus inside. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love those. From Brazil, I really like uh, pastel, which is oh. like a, how do I explain that? It's like a pasty, like a fried pasty rectangular right. shape. And from the UK, street food. I want to say curry. Okay. <laughs> but yeah. it's not really British. <laughs> so fish and chips. Fish and chips. Yeah. All right. I do like fish and chips. Yeah. Great. Uh, and then which one do you prefer? British football or Brazilian football? <laughs> Ooh, that's a good question. I follow more British football okay. nowadays because I live here. But when it comes to the World Cup, then it's Brazil. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and finally... Uh, What's a place that you'd love to travel to and you haven't gone to yet? Oh, China. Okay. China. Yeah, yeah. I think China is a very interesting country. And I have met a lot of people from there. And they were all really nice. So I would love to go one day. It was a lot of fun to talk to Kenzo, and I felt that we could keep going for much longer. I loved his stories about visiting Japan and embracing his identity, as well as his method for producing and editing videos. You know, as an editor myself, I will certainly be picking up a couple of tips from him. You can follow Kenzo on Instagram and TikTok at Kenzo Mizumoto, so make sure to check out his videos. Remember, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Ochenta Podcasts and on TikTok at Studio Ochenta. You can also watch this season's interviews and more of our shows on our YouTube channel at Ochenta Podcasts. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, it's Luis here, and I want to tell you about a show we've been listening to called The Pulso Podcast. There are a lot of podcasts that cover Latino culture and news, but this is one of the first we've heard that really utilizes the throughline of history to provide more context and nuance to our stories. From the halls of Congress to the stages of Broadway, even the food we consider to be American, Latinos helped build this country, and we're not going anywhere. Yet most podcasts are still lacking Latino representation behind and in front of the mic. The Pulso Podcast is a Latina-hosted, Latina-produced show that explores untold stories and unheard voices shaping the experiences of nuestra gente. 
They've covered topics from beauty standards and gender equality to mental health and food origins. And did you know that there is an official Spanish version of the Star Spangled Banner? Or that a team of Mexican lawyers changed the future of segregation laws in the 50s? To hear more, check out the Pulso podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.